And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You know who this voice is. If you don't already, this is the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I am back again, joined by a one of the goats of the game, at least the game of the modern game. You know, he's not not out there just yet. He has been, and he will be again in the near future. This is the feature episode, a new series I'm going to be doing where I get friends of mine that I've played with or, you know, still currently playing, are going to be playing at a high level. Let me introduce you guys to Paulo Spadagini. Let's get a round of applause for, you know, round of applause for Paulo, man. It's going to be a good time. Is this your first time on a podcast? Yeah, bro. First time ever. Yeah. I would have had on said to me they've never been on a podcast before, which is normal because... Where we live, nobody's on, nobody's really running a podcast like oh, this. Very true, very true. You know You're what I'm saying? One of the first, 100%. Yeah, that you probably you know personally. Beats, bro? Yeah, bro. But we can't we can't name drop like that. We, we, we gotta cut that out. <laughs> we can't name drop the school like that. It's all good. I'm not messing with you. But yeah, this is Paulo, ladies and gentlemen, a guy that I used to. I mean, I've known since I was like maybe eight or nine years old. We went to the same elementary school together. As he just name dropped, we went to the same high school together as well. Uh, we played soccer together in the same team for a long time uh, as kids. So obviously. You know, I was very close to him. Still am very close to him, but obviously life puts us in different places. But the point is, is that on this episode, we were looking at his career so far, you know, kind of talking about, you know, why he started playing soccer, what made him fall in love with it. And, you know, just his journey, is, you know, he's a player who's obviously played in Czech at a very high level, you know, played in Italy as well. We will be covering all of that stuff. You don't hear in his last name, he's extremely Italian, but uh, I mean, you know, uh, uh, whoa. Another name drop I have to cut out. But anyways, move on. Uh, let's get straight into let's get straight properly into the episode. Yeah, let's do it. When did you realize you wanted to become a football player? Like what, what convinced you that football was a sport that you wanted to play? I won't realize. Honestly, I think growing up, uh definitely playing at high levels at back at the old academy and stuff, you know, going to the showcases, going to all the tournaments. I think what really did it for me is getting talked about, getting looked at by scouts. I always had the coaches saying, yo, you're one of our go-tos. You're one of the player that, you know, dictates the game for us. You're one of the ones that we need to, if you perform well, we perform well type of thing. Yeah. And I also had friends saying like, yo, you're, you're talented, talented. You should go places. You'll go abroad, test your skills, you know. So I think it was when I started getting a lot of recognition, especially from scouts too, like from universities and obviously in Czech Republic. So I think that's what really pushed me to be like, okay, yo, I can actually maybe do something with this. I hear that, but. Who introduced you? I'm certain he was, he was your father. Yeah, is your dad that introduced you to to the game of the sport of soccer? Like he definitely introduced me, but I think my parents, from what they told me, they put me into it as because when I was younger, I was very very hyper. And yeah, and soccer just a game of running, so it's just basically to tire me out. But then I ended up just picking it up quick, and then yeah, but just ever since played every year. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. I feel like that's often a lot of way, reasons why kids end up playing soccer nowadays is that they want, or even before that, when we were younger and even before that as well. But especially recently, especially in North America more specifically, where a lot of kids, no matter, you know, boy or girl, they play soccer because they want the kids to be in an, involved in activity that's going to keep them healthy and do something that's going to be you know, fun to, you know, run around and kick a ball. As you and I both know, soccer is, or football, that's much deeper and much more complex than just kicking a ball into a goal. Yeah, if you want to look at that way, yeah. you can. Fair enough. I won't tell you, like, oh, you need to look at it from the lens of Pep Guardiola. <laughs> you got to be super insightful and dissect the match from minute one to minute 90, whatever, and, you know, check the breathing of the goalkeeper and then check yeah, the breathing yeah, of the fans. Yeah, no, no, no that, that's 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 a whole different studying that if you really want to get into it, like the way that we do and I do on this podcast. And before we continue, actually, please make sure to download, to subscribe, to follow Paulo, all of Paulo's, you know, all of his links and everything will be in the description of this episode. So if you want to check out more of his, you know, his work, his highlight tape and everything, it's all there. More highlights coming out soon. I promise you guys. I actually might even get Paulo, to, you know, join me on some uh, some TikTok crossbar challenges and such. Him and I will discuss this post episode. But stay tuned. You'll be seeing a lot more of this guy. If you like him, I know I like him. You guys probably will like him as well. But the point is, make sure to do all those lovely things. Make sure to share this podcast as well. With everyone you know that loves football as much as we do on the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast, the home of elite football knowledge and the and the most controversial football opinions in the business. Now let's get straight back into the questions. Now, which player did you look up to as a kid? Ooh, the very first player I looked up to, Ronaldinho. Wow! That was, Boom! That mic was drop. My favorite player, even my dad. My dad is the one who first showed me to him back when he was at AC Milan. Yeah. Fantastic! Everything he did in the game was just gorgeous. From his dribbling to his passing to to juggling over three four players in the game, and one it was that's what made me fall in love with the game. But then as I grew up and understood the game, definitely Andrea Pirlo was definitely my biggest idol. Wow! Yeah. Oh, clearly, I mean your roots of of supporting an Italian team. And if you don't know, guys, by the way, I am a now a newly founded Milan fan. If you guys didn't know that, 
Yeah, I've been watching Milan a lot, especially my boy Rafael Leao. If you know, you know, because yeah, he's up yeah. next. Uh, but to mention Ronaldinho, which for me is just, I think he's a player that's really, really shaped and, and what's it called? What's the word? He's influenced so many different people across the world to enjoy the sport as much as they do. So for you to say Ronaldinho is no surprise to me, but I know knowing you that, I mean, I do see you, obviously you're a skillful player, but I know you're not trying to do four or five flick overs yeah. before you're going to yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, slap in a screamer. But to admire that as much as you did tells me that you enjoyed the really, you know, the pure and, and, and the... What's it called? Like the magical and, and aesthetic side of the game. It's more than just for you, like, yeah. put the ball in the back of the net. Or else if you don't do that, you're bad. Like, you're, you can't play football. You know what I mean? And watching Ronaldinho, you must really appreciate the, the, the skillful, the flair, the technique that a player has. You know, the beauty of getting, you know, putting a smile on your face and beating four or five men and laughing about it. And then scoring a free kick and, you know, 10 seconds later. You know what I mean? No, for sure. I think, and even my dad drilled that in my head growing up. is like, the goals don't matter. Get your technique down, get the passing down, get the base of the game, master them, and the goals will come with that. Amen. That's I think, love the advice. Yeah, that's why I think Ronaldinho and even Pirlo didn't score too much, but when he could take a free kick, <sighs> his passing was <sighs> second to none. Honestly, probably one of the best in the game. Hundred percent. So I think just one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's one of he's he's actually one of the most underrated players I think of the uh, football period. One hundred percent. I did an episode on that, by the way. You guys should check that out. And look at me plugging my podcast like there's no tomorrow. I know it's only been the opening six minutes. You're like, oh come on, Stephen, let's move on. But no, for real, I did do, I did do an episode on the most underrated players of the last twenty years. Spoiler alert: Pirlo was not in it. That's why I'm mentioning him now because I thought he should have been. And I think if I were, do it, were to do it again. He'd definitely be in there. I think yeah, uh, sure, he was a player that we, we spoke about this off air, but that position especially gets so overlooked. And he's an example of that. Like we didn't really know how much he, how much good he did until he left, you know, Milan yeah. or left yeah, Inter or whatever, left Juventus, yeah. and he stopped playing. You know, and you think, damn, like you really need a guy like that in your team. He's just so effortless in the passing and distribution, and and we say it earlier, ball circulation, which is very important in the game. Hundred percent. And you know? the smartest guy had was crazy. wasn't the fastest, wasn't the most, you know, had that flair like Ronaldinho, but. His first touch was able to be two, three players just by one touch. His passing. And he was the guy who pulled the strings in the whole midfield for the national team and for Juve from Milan. Even when he came from... Uh, I'll give you the answer in three... To Palermo? Two... Oh, let's, let's test your ball knowledge. <laughs> let's test your ball knowledge. Andrea Pirlo, before he went to you, he was from uh, Brescia. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah, right, Regina and Brescia. But anyways, I hear your point. You're saying even at that point, and not such an early stage of his career, he was still that good. And he was showing signs from early that he was going to become as good as he did become later on in his career. Uh, I do think those two players are are players that, you know, are very difficult to find holes and say, why would you pick him and why would you pick him? Not saying I'd criticize them, but from an objective standpoint, football really is shown in those two types of players, 100%. You know, there's a, there's, there's a type of discipline, a tactical discipline, a tactical intelligence that especially Pirlo really, really had, mm-hmm. you know, and I, he's the kind of player where you could, he could walk across the pitch. You yeah. don't walk. I mean, you said you were hyper as a kid, so you definitely don't, you definitely not walking back then you're not, and you're not walking now, you know? And actually, you tell, you tell people before we move on, which, um, which position do you play on the field? So they kind of like get a reference of, you know, why you have a certain liking towards, you know, Pirlo, for example. Uh, honestly, I started off as a 10. I played a 10 all through and then... Remember Jesse? Of course. Shout out Coach Jesse. Shout out Coach Jesse. Uh, He introduced me to the number six role. Uh, And then ever since then, I played it and I learned it, adapted to it. And then it's been my position ever since. I also played wing back too. I remember when I went in check, they played me as a wing back for a little bit too. Wow. I, had the, I had the stamina, the endurance. To of course. Down. You've always been a horse, man. We've always called you. I remember even in high school, you used to do track and field events yeah, and you'd yeah, skin yeah. all of us. Yeah. I was like, I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. I also play soccer too, so I should be pretty good at this. But I'm out here like, <gasps> and and you just see Paulo like burning through the rest of us like with with ease. And I'm like, he's definitely eating something different that night that we're not getting. I don't know what kind of lab his parents are cooking up in that basement, but they got some weird atomic like you know Dragon Ball Z type of like <laughs> sensu bean. <laughs> he sent it to Paulo, and he's just like <laughs> he's running full pelt, you know. And like you said, that stamina, which I think is such an important trait. We see a lot of players that get gassed out after 50, 60 minutes of being on the pitch. When you're able to play 90 minutes, you're useful anywhere on the field. You go left back, right back, DM, whatever it is. And I know you've always had this, but especially the fact that they told you that they want you to be a six. And then, of course, Jesse in particular gave you that instruction. It lets you kind of follow an example of how you want to continue playing. You can really build your game from that point. You're not going to say, go play six, then go play 10, then, you know, go play left wing, then go play, uh, you know, play right back. That's a lot of changing of dynamics of the game. You need to, as you probably have understood and you probably know, you need to be able to really hone in on on the area of the field that you're playing in. Yeah, 100%. You need a foundation. If you get switched around every position, every game, it doesn't work. But if you get, if you have a foundation, let's say mine was the six. Yeah. 
I was able to study the six, learn the six, play the six at a high level, especially for so many years. That was just like not second nature to me. I yeah. don't know anything else. Like, I, for me to play a cam would be foreign to me almost. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a high level. No, no, for sure. And I, I mean, obviously, when you're playing at a low level, you having the skill of being a six, which requires again, if you guys don't know this, and again, an episode on this is coming out. I promise you. I did do, do, do ah, English. I did do one on that as well, talking about when you were in the six, and Paul and I spoke about this off air as well. Which is you need to be so press resistant, so keep you need you, often you need to be a good ball carrier, if not just simply able to complete a very simple pass. And finally, you need to be very tactically disciplined. And I think these are things that I would say for me watching you and playing with you. I can say that I know for sure you've done that, especially now you've really continued to master that mm-hmm. um, as you go on in your career. And you can't do that unless you're able to consistently play in that position, exactly. knowing yeah. what is required of you each game you play. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Which team? You're a Juventus fan? Yeah, that's my team. Ah, uh, then we shouldn't talk today. Then <laughs> we should not talk for context, guys. Juventus lost against Monza today, and I know Paul. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous, and I know knowing you that you were completely devastated. I know you're expecting an easy W, like anybody would, as your Juventus. But just like my team, my real team, Chelsea. Trust me, we understand the, the trials and tribulations of being a Chelsea fan. Oh, yeah. You probably heard a lot about yeah. us recently in the last couple of months for many different reasons. For starting a war in, apparently in Russia because our owners is Russian. Or we're Russian. Having Todd Bowley, he wants to make an American Super League, apparently, <laughs> in, in the Prem, <laughs> you know, and all of this stuff. So just to say that when you're supporting a big club, there's going to be moments where things kind of drop and dip. We won't go too deep in this because I think we can do a separate epi- episode on, on Juventus actually with you, which would be interesting. Yeah, for sure. But um, what was I going to ask you? You're a Juventus fan. Who would you say is your, I mean, this is probably obvious, but your favorite Juventus player is probably Andrea Piolo, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so that's a, a fairly well-known fact. Are you a fan of Massimiliano Allegri at uh, Juventus right now, coming back from when he was already there and now coming back again? And... In the past, yeah, 100%. Okay. he did wonders. We won the league six years in a row. We're doing everything. Champions League final twice, even though we lost. Yeah, league. yeah, but no, you got far. But, bro, these last two, three years, I don't know what he's doing. And honestly, I rate him as a manager, but things are going right now. I think it's time for that change. You know yep. what I mean? So I agree with that. I actually was thinking that Thomas Tuchel should go to Juventus. That would be good because considered they just sacked him too. Exactly. And I know because I know Tuchel very well. Also, I studied Chelsea like you know uh, a math kid studies you know his his timetables. <laughs> <laughs> like I really really watched him very closely, so I could tell you that I feel that he would suit a team like Juventus so much. Yeah. I don't know how people like in terms of his you know his his personability and his is a. Uh, his likability in terms of being a person. Like, I liked him a lot, obviously, because of how well he managed all the damage that's going on at Chelsea. But from a strictly a footballing perspective, I think he'd be perfect for Juventus. And if you were to go there in, in place of uh, Allegri, I think big things could happen for you guys. So I agree with you on that point for sure. What would you say is your favorite memory as a player and, and then as a fan? Like, you being a player on the field, obviously, and you as a, a football fan. Favorite memory? I'd definitely say inside that academy contract and check. When I first went back over by myself, even though I didn't have my parents or friends around to see me actually sign, like, to actually sign on the dotted line, a contract saying, yo, we're giving you this, 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 blah, 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 and now you're part of our club 100%. I definitely think that was one of the, the best days I've ever experienced oh. as a footballer, for sure. That's very impressive, man. Yeah. Early days, and this guy's already doing big things. Bro. I feel like a nerd, and I feel like a loser. That's, uh, uh, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> I'm joking. No, that's really, really, that's really, really special. I'm, 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 I can imagine just how much I must, must have meant to you. I know how much you care about the game and how much you put towards it. If you guys don't know, this guy's literally training in his sleep, you know, on the pitch, in his in his kitchen, you know, even in a, in a winter, a snowy winter day in Canada, which is literally every day for most of the year. He's outside in his driveway with the ice on the driveway, you know, yeah. slipping all over the place, looking like a, a skater, not a skateboard <laughs> skater, like a, you know, figure, figure skater kicking the ball around so it really means that much more to him you know you can tell the dedication it shows in his in his uh in his playing style and also the, the what's it called the achievements he's been able to accomplish so far and as a football fan what would you say is your, your favorite moment as a football fan it could be for you know your national team for juventus or any any moment you thought like oh really this is really special oh uh, recently you're 100 yeah i knew you're gonna say that i i wrote this question i was saying it's gonna be such an obvious obvious answer this is such a stupid and naive come on steven do better such a naive question to ask you guys said as an italian you'd only expect one answer from this question you don't have to be not not qualified for the World Cup last two times. That's no no. We I won't even get in. I promise you. I didn't come on there. I, I know too many. You and I both know. Of course, you know many Italians. I know many Italians. I have Italians in my in, you know indirectly in my family. I can tell you that I will not be here to slander Italian football no. and Italian. I won't yeah. do that. The Serie A for me is arguably my favorite league to watch. Yeah. It, I fluctuate between liking that, then liking the Premier League, then liking that. But for me, Italian football and 
the style that Italians play, at least the football. So I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. So for me to tell you and say, oh, Italy suck and them not making... I mean, obviously for you guys, it is a travesty. And anyone who, who's with the right yeah, mind would think that. Yeah, that but I do think that the roots of what make Italy Italy, they will be back again, first of all. And secondly, it's too soon to write them off and say two non-appearances means they're terrible now. That's too reactionary, in my opinion. In history, what they've done, and even the Euro... Exactly. Example. When they played in the Euro, they didn't beat no land teams, but Belgium, Spain, England. They yeah, those the are best like teams in the world easily. Bro. And Belgium is number one ranked, and I, yeah. you know, I'm literally wearing a Belgium kit right now. So like, <laughs> shows you how much I like the team. I was disappointed. I expected us to lose. I said Italy looked so dangerous, yeah. and I had made a bet early in the in the in the um, the tournament that Italy would win. I had known that really? on penalties too. I predicted that. Wow. Uh, it's just a gut feeling. But um, anyways, I'm not going to gas myself up with that. I'm <laughs> just letting you know that, yeah, I knew that they're going to do well. And that's a very, very big moment for anybody who's supporting their country. Yeah. If I ever saw Jamaica win the CONCACAF, um, whatever, Nations Cup or whatever it's called, I think I'd have a door riot. You know, I, honestly, I think I'd burn down every street that I live on. I'd be like, my neighborhood would be burnt. My, my front house would be burnt. Like, everything. I mean, I wouldn't burn it down in terms of, like, anger, obviously, but out of uh, happiness. I'm not yeah, a pyromaniac, you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. So when we come back... I have many more questions. Actually, let me ask you one more one. One more question before you move on to really what the real nitty gritty of the episode. On a scale of one to ten, one being really diabolically bad and ten being absolutely perfection exceptional, how coachable, simply meaning how capable are you of being taught and trained to do something and improve do you think you are as a player? I definitely say a ten, hundred percent. I think Boom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, go on. No, definitely a 10. I think I'm very coachable. I mean, I've been through my fair share of positions in terms of getting switched around and stuff. Like, Jesse played me as a winger. I was top goal scorer in the league, 15 years old, at the YSOU 18. Yeah, I remember that. So I adapted to that, and I, he taught me how to play it. But then when he put me in the sixth, and that was another position I had to adapt to and learn to that. And I picked it up pretty quick, and now I'm doing well there. And even, even the wing back, like, Chris started me there, and then Jesse started me there. And then to go more in depth with it, yeah, it took me a little bit to learn, right? To, especially to play it at a high level. But yeah. I think I played it pretty quick, and I think I'm confident enough to be like, okay, if they need a wing back and they put me as a wing back, I'll be like, yeah, no problem. Whereas if they were to put me like a striker, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's not my strong suit. I'd do it for you, but not my strong suit. But I'd be confident going in those three positions for sure. For sure, you, you don't give coaches a fuss when they ask you to play you somewhere else. You're not no, like, oh, like no, no, no. I never got that impression when I was when I was with never, you and said never. like you were like you know cussing the coach like no coach, I'm not gonna play left back today or whatever. You just <laughs> no, do it. Not. Even my parents drilled that in my head like, yo, the coach is the coach wherever they see. Even when you get to the pro level, they were telling me. Coach, can you put you as a keeper for all you know? You've no, got to take it no. and... Okay, okay, okay. Rewind. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. No, 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 no. That you're not going to do. I would never... Li- I wouldn't even... I'm already, I'm no, already, I know I'm not related to you. Like, I do know you. I've known you like a brother, and I I feel like we are brothers, given how well I've known you, and, and it's probably vice versa, or the feelings mutual there. But I could never allow you with this much ability to be in goal. It's not going to no, happen. No. Honestly, to go in goal, I wouldn't do it either. That's what I'm saying, man. But Thank if you. But if they were to take me as like a winger, a center back, like I'd have to go. Right? Yeah, so of I'm course. I'm not going to turn it down. Of course, of course. As long as they give you time to learn that position, you just say, yeah, I'll take the song and yes, continue exactly. doing it. You yes, know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. And I hear that. And I, I honestly would find it difficult to disagree and say you're not a 10. I'm not you, so I can't give you my perspective and say, oh yeah, you're very coachable. I never coached you. But I can tell from your behavior and like your demeanor with me and as, as a teammate and just someone as a friend. I find it difficult to see you as someone that's like, yeah, coach, like, I'm not doing this thing. If you play me the right right wing, I'm going to end up playing DM because that's where I want to be. We're going to have no one playing right wing. We're going to be be playing a four or six, you know, a four or six. No, no, uh, what's called? No strikers, no no front three, nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Paulo will be giving us the whole journey of when he started from the early roots of football all the way to where he is today and where he plans on being in the future as well. Well, so stay tuned. Much more information on Paulo. The feature episode on Paulo Spadaccini coming up next. And now, ladies and gentlemen, on to the real reason why you came to listen to this episode today. Why I actually have him here today. Paulo, the floor is yours. I will not interrupt you unless you ask me a question. Talk to me about your career journey and your time in both Italy and in Czech Republic. How did that go for you and how did that kind of happen and pan out? Sure. So I was starting. I started playing soccer when I was three, or football when I was three. Uh, kind of just fell in love with it and pursued it every year since. Uh, I got to actually play at Cumberland Academy when they had a went back when they were CCA. Actually, yeah, Cobras before that. Mm-hmm. Cumberland so Cobras. Ever since uh, they developed me a little bit, uh, and then we got into the you know when it was OPDL and competitive. Unfortunately, we never went OPDL, but. 
I stayed through there from when I was like 10, 14, uh, developed in that league, became one of the main guys, dominant player, this and that. And then actually when Jesse was back at a coach back in CCA, we went down to a showcase for universities. This is when I was young, young, young. I was probably still 14. Uh, one of the guys that we played was a scout looking to put a team together, a showcase team to go to England on trial. Or not on trial, but like as a showcase, a showcase in front of professional clubs. Yeah. And I was the only kid from Ottawa that they picked at this at the showcase. Like, yo, this player's really good. So they talked to Jesse, like, yo, we want this kid on our showcase team, this and that. So I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it, right? Uh, so every every second weekend, I'd be in Toronto just for a training session, just for two training sessions. Yeah, so I remember it was you told a bit me of this. a mission, but I I knew like, hey, this is a big opportunity. I got to sacrifice a little bit, right? So I did. We ended up going to England when I was fourteen for eleven days. So we played. We played. We played Stoke City. We played Leicester. We played some team named Birmingham something, and yeah. we played Liverpool B. Wow. Yeah. So we then that showcase team was a mix for. So it was, I was the youngest from fourteen to eighteen, nineteen year olds. So we were playing like top top teams, and we were the team was quality. Like we were winning a lot of games. So by the end of our trip, mm. uh, there was a couple of us getting looked at. But then I remember the manager saying, Manchester City and Manchester United Academy want to play us because we're a team from Canada beating Stoke. We beat Leicester. We beat uh, Birmingham. We beat Liverpool. We beat, yeah. We're beating all these world-class like academies. Yeah, yeah. So Highly we respected. see what we're about. See, if, you know. Mm. Unfortunately, we never got to play with it or play against them. Sorry. But uh, yeah, so the trip ended and the coach told me, unfortunately, I never got anything out of it. But I, I knew, I knew I had a lot of maturing to do as a kid or yeah. as a footballer as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. But he told me, like, you have a lot of talent, this and this, what you need to work on. Okay, so I build on that. And that's actually when I started playing winger without them. They didn't see me as a midfielder. They saw me more of a winger. A wide man. You're taking on people 1v1. Yeah. What are you, your prime Eden Hazard, bro? <laughs> what are you, this Stefan Ashraoui at Milan? Like, geez. Yeah, that's where they saw me. So I kind of just took it, built on that, and mm. then came back with Chris, played with them another two years, and then... That's when I really started maturing and developing as a player, right? Actually learning the game, learning, you know, going in depth of like the technical and uh, tactical aspects of the game, right? Yeah. So then I'm like, well, my dad's like, okay, well, even, sorry, before that, Stan was a big fan of mine and he was saying, yo. Just quick context. When he says Chris, he means Coach Chris, which is the former yeah, coach of, of his. Coach, yeah. And Stan is also a former coach of his, Coach Stan. And finally, before you go on, I promise I'll let you continue. OPDL, if you guys don't know, is the Ontario Provincial Development League, which is the highest level of our, our age group at that time. That's what he's mentioning. So when he says those things, remember that for context, that's what he's talking about. It's not random. These are people who coached him, not just some volunteer dad saying, oh, hey, Paul, oh, like, let's come <laughs> to the field. Like, you know, These are genuine people that were part of the club. Anyways, yeah. go on. Uh, so I remember Stan was always saying like, oh, you're, you're definitely a top player. I can definitely see you going pro. Like you have a lot of great aspects that'd be great for top teams and future teams coming to look at you. Mm. So I'm like, wow, okay. So I just I just took all that, started building on a continuous CCA. And then I remember my dad telling me like, look, like you're getting all this feedback. Why don't you try and go to Europe? Because I had a connection in Europe, which was my uncle. So we texted him we're like, yeah, yeah, send me game film. And he was actually, his brother, my uncle's brother is the head director at Kievo. So I'm like, wow, okay, that's a big deal. Like this guy controls, you know, who comes in and out of the club, what the club does, blah, blah, blah. Wow, what a connection. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up taking taking him up on it. I'm like, yeah, might as well. Let's just try it. Because my main goal at the start was to go to university, try and get a full scholarship. Because in North America, that's our pathway to pro, right? Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Let me try and take a risk. Let me try and go abroad and, you know, see if I can see if I can make it. Mm. So I ended up going on trial for two weeks in Kievo. Boom, they ended up liking me and say, come back next year. I'm like, beautiful. I just got to figure out my school and I'll come back as soon as I can. Wow. Yeah. So I ended up going back down. I was there for three months. And the whole the whole deal was basically I was on trial, but I wasn't. I was part of the team, but I wasn't on contract yet. Oh. Yeah. So I was there for three months. And at the time, I was still trying to get my Italian passport. And it hasn't come in yet. And if you don't have an Italian passport when you're abroad, I don't know if it applies anywhere, but I know in Europe, if you just have a Canadian passport, for example, which I did, after three months, I have to come back to Canada. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't even know that. Wow. I never knew mm-hmm. this. This is news to me. That's why I'm so, so, so shocked, guys. Like, I've known him forever. I didn't hear the story. But yeah. Yeah. So I was supposed to, supposed to stay there, obviously, a lot longer, but my papers didn't come in yet for my Italian passport. So basically, I told him, like, look, like, I don't know when the papers are coming in, like, is there any way you could wait for me? I'm not sure. 
they basically released me saying you because my papers could take from six months to a year and they're not willing to wait for a player especially at being at 15 years old for six months yeah whatever i cut my ties there but it was a good learning experience right i spent, I spent three months in a professional academy cable syria club it was very good very good and then what I was came, the competition like there uh to be honest training was the biggest like in games is a little bit different it's more more in depth of the game whereas training it's more intense so yeah training is when it first hit me like okay these kids aren't joking yeah right. yeah say this is this is their lifestyle right mm. and then i played a couple games performed pretty well definitely still had a lot of maturing to do a lot of learning to especially as a 15 year old kid right coming from abroad too yeah you, not like you've been Ottawa, living in, in, right? in italy your whole life yes you're italian but you weren't living in, in verona That's what I'm you're not I from I local verona from mls academy so That's i was just kind of doing it on my own as per se just really quickly can I, I i need people to understand this coming from where we're coming from and where we're located, Paulo and I, and just anyone that lives in, in yeah. this area uh, in North America, specifically Canada, it's not really often that people who are our age, 20, 21 years old or anything, unless your name is Jonathan David, which is exceptional because <laughs> there's not many people come from this capital city that are capable of creating a niche of which they're able really to land in a European place. Normally they're good and they're, they're very good, but the competition of people they're playing against where they're, where they're located, whether that's in France, in Italy, wherever it is, in England, the quality that's there is already good. So for you to stand out, you have to be three times better than the yeah, people yeah, who are naturally exactly. there. Because they're going to yeah. favor the homegrown players, first of all, 100%. which I know you're going to talk about that in a second. And secondly, you need to be able to be a player of which you're able to stick in the mind and say, you're better than what we have here. So even if we wanted to get rid of you, we couldn't. Because the homegrown guys yes. are worse than you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. You know? So anyways, I didn't mean to take away from your spiel. Go on. <laughs> so yeah, basically after they basically released me. Yeah. Uh, I came back here and Stan actually again heard about it and he's like look I'm moving back to Czech why don't you come down I'm training back at SK Dynamo why don't you come back and I'll give you a trial see if it works out for you I said wow beautiful okay so again I spent another probably another six months with uh, OTFC or CCA back in the day yeah Cumberland Cobras Academy Cumberland Cobras Academy and then when I was 16 I went on trial me and Estelle actually went together mm-hmm. another player we both of both Paulo and I played with mm-hmm. from the Cumberland Cobras Academy go on so we went down for a two-week trial again, and I'll never forget this. The last day we're there, Stan comes knocking on our door, and we're like, oh, why, why is Stan at our door, right? Because why would Stan come to our apartment? Yeah. He basically walked in. He's like, boys, I got good news. Like, they want to sign you both. I'm like, holy shit. Like, wow. We did it. Like, Just like that. We did it. How long was the trial again, sir? Two weeks. Okay. I was with the under-19s, and Estelle was with the under-16s okay. at the time. Yeah, you're obviously older than him. Yeah. So we got the thing, and we're like, wow. Okay, so now we have a lot of thinking to do, right? So we come home, we do our thinking. Unfortunately, Estelle didn't go because his parents wanted him to focus more on the school aspect. Yeah. Because my parents are like, okay, well, it's another great opportunity for you if this is really what you want to do and you're serious about it. Let's do it. Let's get your schooling intact, get get the online courses ready and go down. So I went down the next year and I think it was grade 11 I was gone. I wasn't here for grade 11. No, you weren't. I didn't see you at all. Yeah, I yeah, was with down gone. in 19s and uh, again, performances were crazy like i learned so much and then my first two games bro played really well earned team of the week twice uh Whoa, okay big shot over here yeah, it was good it was a good two years i even broke like first probably three three weeks a month i broke into the starting 11 like consistently like i was a regular for them mm. so wow it's actually really going really well you know like in my head i'm like okay now i gotta build on this work on this take everything i can with a grain of salt and just just go like this is my opportunity right here so I spent two years with the under-19s. Very good. We played uh, Salzburg, which was crazy. Was one of the Chelsea just teams. drew 1-1 one, one with, their, with their first team. Sorry? Chelsea just drew 1-1 yeah, one, yeah, one with the first team. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a top, 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 yeah. top European side. Like some of the crazy. best. They have some of the, you know this, you, you follow the game. They have some of the best youth talents in yeah, the world they're, football. They're for silly, because I remember we had to go to Austria to play oh, them. That's ridiculous, man. And another one, at, bro, we went to Austria again. We played Bayern Munich their academy bro some of the craziest kids and the craziest experience i've had in my life bro. taking i was like 17 18 playing these huge academies so i went from playing gloucester hornets to rb salzburg and they're playing salzburg all bro, the way to crazy, but I that's was funny just, like it was just amazing amazing of course experience. man and, like all the people that came to show up to like a an academy game was crazy. Like the turnout was nuts, yeah, wasn't it? Was, turnout was sick. Yeah, man. Yeah. SK fans as well. I'm assuming, yeah. Dynamo yeah, there was fans, a couple yeah, of them. Yeah. Like the parents came down. They're waving the flags. Like a proper game it was sick, bro. And then, uh, yeah. Ever since then, bro. Like my 
whole aspect and just wanting to like the hunger to make it pro was next level. So just kept going, finished that season on a pretty high, picked up a couple assists under my name, no goals that season, but whatever did well. I actually did, and then they offered me. So the season after I turned 20, mm-hmm. now it's time for me to move up or I get loaned out or go to it. Well, they actually offered me a contract for the under-21 side, the B team. Yeah. So, of course, I signed with them for a year. But it was only a year contract, and then bro, COVID hit. So I think I was down. I yes. think I got there. Yeah. And I was only on contract for a year. So I think I got down wow. there in January. Left four months later. Mm-hmm. And then, well, then, you know, COVID was two years. So I, I was never able to get back there. Of course, I was in contact with the coach. We were do, I was doing my training plan. So there was still a good relationship there, which was solid for me because I wanted to know, like, I still have a spot back in Czech Republic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bro. So you you bend over backwards, do whatever you can to get back into the team and back into the country and be there consistently without them telling you you have to leave because you're not a citizen or whatever. You're not, you know, you're yeah. not fully vaxxed up, whatever. You do all of that stuff and they still say, Nah, it's not good enough. Yeah, because like the I don't know, like all of Europe just wanted. They, I guess they entrusted two different vaxes or whatever. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, bro. to be honest, like that's crazy. So again, I got released again mm-hmm. from SK Dynamo. Yeah, from SK Dynamo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I just I started playing back here again, men's prem division again. I started training with OPSM, uh, Godwin, all those guys. Uh, that's pretty much it, man. Training with an agency right now. They've actually developed me a lot. Like honestly, like. The last year I had with them, I felt myself grow even more. That's why I'm so excited to get back to work this winter because I know next summer is going to be huge for me. Please tell me, remind me, what does OPSM stand for? And for the people listening again, Ontario. Uh, so it started out as Ottawa Pro Sports Management. Thank you. But now they expand and now they're in Europe, MLS. So now it's called One Pro Sports Management. It's not Ottawa anymore. What? Yeah. Who, who's the main coordinator? Godwin's the main coordinator Godwin. of this? Godwin and you remember McKenzie? Yes. McKenzie's a part of So it. these are both... Very well-known coaches in in Ottawa. They've been really running the coach soccer scene for some time now. Yeah. Where is coach? Where is where, 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 where did they where did they both coach before running this um, OPSM thing? They were coaching at OSU. Uh, Mackenzie, I don't think wasn't too much of a coach because I remember he, he was playing with us at OTFC for, yes. for a couple seasons. Yeah, yeah, he, he, that name rings a bell. Uh, Godwin, I don't think he was ever really a coach. I could be wrong, but I know he played pro abroad for a couple of years. Yes, and I heard I think that he too. Came back, and I think he was just strictly an agent. Yeah, I think the only time he coached us was when he put the OPSM team together for men's prime. Okay, coach okay, 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 okay. Yeah. What's the name of that team specifically? I remember you played obviously with another one of our guys. Yo, shout out E-Man if you're listening because I know yeah. you played with Paulo as well. And Friday FC, bro, if you know, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, he, he sorry, that, that OPSM team, there's clearly a name for that club surely like it's not just like a it's like a what is it a strain of the program it's a strain like a like a yeah, leeching so off of the whole agency yeah and then our club under opsm for the men's prem division was called ottawa rising fc okay ottawa rising that's the name i was looking for yeah, yeah i've heard of that team before i yeah. did my own research and saw that on instagram and kind of following that recently but yeah okay so thank you that that kind of clears things up for me and everyone else listening as well um and now i'm so obviously like you said you're back in ottawa you're waiting to get your opportunity to see opsm this winter takes you and next summer and, and beyond uh, what would you say has been the most challenging part of your journey so far like after like everything has happened uh, i think just dealing with getting released you know like i was in the right place italy and england didn't phase me too much because i was still i knew myself i, I started to mature and develop as a player a lot because me coming at 15 years old especially from cca to kievo and sk dot like you know what i mean like, yeah that's night and day for you it's a different any, level. Any and yeah. I, I, I realize that myself because part of growing is you got to know where i got to work on right of course but that's Republic, good life advice by the way yeah but Czech Republic like I felt like I could have done a lot more and it just the way it ended because of COVID honestly wasn't the best scenario for me but honestly just keep my head up keep going forward 100% and I don't, I don't I, I'm saying this with the uttermost uh, respect and and best wishes for you sometimes these things in life that happen like this are, are generally no longer coincidences they're for a reason yeah, i know exactly. you don't want to believe that necessarily right now but i can envision bigger things happening for you it's just something a gut feeling that i have and I, i'm like very fairly confident it will come to fruition but just to say that just because it happened this way doesn't mean it's the end and i'm happy you don't yeah, have that mindset because it doesn't yeah. you don't stop here because of this happening you know no, it probably means and it's more likely going to happen a venture to something completely different that's even more fruitful for you something even yeah. more beneficial 100%. for your career yeah. in the end you know for sure i believe that for sure 100 and it's, i find it would find it pretty interesting you probably might end up seeing these sk dynamo guys again remember i said that here on this podcast it would not surprise me because that's how life works um oh, actually it's funny you say that one of them uh name's jacob parizek mm-hmm. he's a year older than me 
uh, bro, top top midfielder, like class. Like he was a starter too. He, I, he was my midfield partner alongside me. Yeah, he just signed for Cape Breton University, bro. So like you can go to the Carlton game when they play Cape Breton at home, bro. You'll see him there. Wow. Yeah. So quickly on that about universities, especially because given where we live, you weren't interested in going to like a Carlton, for example, or looking to play for like a even like a Nipissing or um, a Guelph. I definitely was because that was my goal initially before even going abroad yeah and i was in talks with i was like funny you said that because i was in talks with carlton i was in talks with simon frazier uh york actually was very interested in me but i told him like at the time because like grade 11 yeah grade 11 to when i was 20 i was in check the whole time yes so then when i came back i'm 21 now i just turned 21 last year or sorry yeah yeah, earlier this year yeah uh Kind of just like I was open to, but I wasn't. I didn't want to go through that whole four year journey mm-hmm. you know? again. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me right now, like I'm definitely open to it because I'm not gonna burn bridges or like shut out opportunities that come to come to me. But yeah. like, I think I just wanted to try and get the pro road. You know, like I've had I had a bit of the experience. I have a bit on my CV in terms of playing in Europe and playing here, whatever. Yeah. So I think like maybe going CPL or maybe like a USL. I was just going to ask you that. So CPL is probably the first immediate step for you before thinking about something bigger than that. Yeah. Like yeah. if I can get, no, I hear that. I'd be very happy getting CPL. hundred percent. Even playing Atletico Auto. I'd love to see you. That'd be That'd so be sick. That'd be so sick. Bro. Yeah. And like it's a decent league. Like even though it's not the best league right now in the world. Yeah. It's a decent league for young players to get their name out in the pro scene. hundred percent. If you go like me right now, I'm 21. I go and I have a phenomenal season. Who knows? I can go to the MLS or, a league two team in France could pick me up. You know what I mean? Like it's all about performance and the numbers you put up. And I think you know this too. And I, and I think, like I said, I have a good feeling all of this will, will come to fruition in whatever way it does. But just simply the fact that you end up on the TV will be the most important thing. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah, cause I, exactly. Cause obviously yeah. you, yes, you have highlight tapes and yes, people are going to know you. And yes, you're obviously a very good player. And none of those things are, are we're going to deny, but I know, you know, for yourself and you want this for yourself, where the recognition can be consistent where every weekend, one soccer or whatever, whatever, people who watch it, you know, their sports on soccer on, they'll see you. Yeah, exactly. You know? And That's by exactly being seen it. by anywhere you walk, people have TV, TVs are everywhere nowadays. Look, look, you know, how much technology has proliferated the world. So no matter what, if they're watching it, let it go or any game, any team, any team paper in CPL could be four, which doesn't matter. They see that are like, oh, like this guy plays for this team and you're standing out, which I have a good feeling you I watch CPL games and I'm like, yeah, Paulo will dominate this by far. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> he dominates for sure. So when you're doing that and, and you're making a name for yourself and being recognized, that will set you up perfectly because you're getting consistent recognition. Exactly. When you're playing in Europe, exactly. let's be real, not many people are watching Czech football unless you're from Czech or nice. you're, you have a specific interest. Like, I know yeah. you, so I'd be interested because you play there. But, you know, when you're watching even a Canadian Premier League, which is new, but I'm telling you it's going to continue to grow because not only Canada in the World Cup now, yeah. and also the fact we're going to be co- co-hosting a World Cup or um, in the next one, World Cup after the one in Qatar in a couple of months. All of those things combined, now would be, be, the, be uh, English, now would be the perfect time for you to be in a league like that. Because the level of recognition that Canadian football is getting is ridiculous. It's good. It's a good thing That's you're still this age yeah. and you're still this driven because... Only good things can happen. Only up. Exactly. You ended that really well. Uh, <laughs> when we come back from the break, final break, I have a couple more questions and then some kind of quick fire questions just about, you know, quickly football related. And that will be the end of this episode for today, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back from the break. And now, Paulo, I have about like four or five more questions. I promise you, we'll go with these really quickly. We're not going to make this belabored in each one. But what, um, where do you? I'm sorry, what's the question I want to ask you? Why the midfield? What is so significant to you about playing in the engine room of the pitch? I think all the time on the ball. I like in the game. I like to dictate the game, but I also like the ball on my feet a lot. Okay, like I'm a player that's definitely very confident in terms of. Even if we're down or we're playing a top team, I'm still looking to receive the ball and, you know, try and beat a player and make the pass forward. Yeah. I think I just, because, like, I see sometimes center backs or, like, the striker, for example. Like, if we're always in our end, the striker doesn't touch the ball. Yes. At least me in the midfield, like, one, I'm the work engine. Two, I can dictate the game. And three, I get a lot of time on the ball. Yes. Which I think is my favorite part. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that makes a lot of sense. I don't see why anyone would. Anyway, after saying that, I think everyone wants to play in the midfield and after hearing that explanation. And if you didn't play in the midfield, which position would you play? You, play, you want to play nine? You want to be as like a, as a, you said, a left wing or right wing? I'd play in the wing as well. Uh, yeah, I'd probably play on the left wing, honestly. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Actually, like, fun. <laughs> it is fun. I remember that's where I was playing when I was a kid. Again, um, uh, for me, I thought to myself, I can't play anywhere else. This is my this is my bread and butter for me, you know, going on the wing, trying to use my speed and beat people. And that was my favorite thing, too, is that always being able to have the ball at my feet as a winger and have that much time because there's less responsibility for you to 
to beat your man all the time as a, yeah, as a winger because if you lose it it's like okay you're high up the pitch it's not that bad because you're able to yeah, exactly. you know the team will get the ball back for you get the ball again that's why we always linked up I yeah looking for, as soon as I turned Steve yeah I remember I remember at, the, at some point I remember thinking to myself like a lot of people that I played with after playing with you I'd have to explain this to them specifically and I guess I didn't give people the most trust in my game which was a bit strange because I had a period where I had my own purple patch locally you know and, and I was still wasn't receiving I was like what more do I have to do to be like yo yeah. give me the ball give me the ball yeah. give me the ball give me the ball <laughs> and you knew like okay like let's go find Steven on this side like he's probably gonna do something now you know young little me 14 15 year old me doing something you know and I thought to myself like at least I know when Paulo gets the ball I'm gonna be able to get it now like I know yeah. no matter what he's gonna look in this direction because I remember thinking to myself and I, I won't act like I wasn't helping I wasn't I was, um, what's the word? I won't act like I was helping the cause or the situation because I definitely didn't always, you know, be that available guy. I was very shy on the field, which is strange. I'm not a shy person outside of football. It's very weird. It's a weird dichotomy that goes on there. But the point is, yes, I remember I playing on the wing and you playing just behind me. And that really allowed me to get the ball consistent on a frequent basis. And something people don't know about football. And yes, this is why the midfield, I think, is so important. And you'll, again, you know this yourself. But in the midfield and in football in general, you need to be in the ball a lot because you being in the ball gives you touches. It gives you it gives you repetition. It gives you rhythm, especially in games when you don't have that and you're always out of possession and having to kind of simply shift and you know track and and press and and just defend as a unit for 60, 70 minutes. Yeah. It makes it very difficult for you to remember how to play. You almost become naive and stupid again True. when you do get the ball. You're like, yeah. I, we haven't had it for twenty minutes now. No, now what so do we do? Because if you're always on the ball and you're always getting those touches throughout the game, not only that, it, like it builds up confidence throughout that game for you. Like, if people are whipping in the ball and you control it, like, I don't know, you have the ball, I don't know, 30% of the game, you're not going to do really anything with it, right? Exactly. Most of the time, especially if you're under pressure all the time, you're just passing it back, moving the ball. But if you're always getting on the ball, well, your confidence goes from here to here in terms of, okay, I can dribble the player, I can take a, a touch and play the pass all wide. So I think just getting all your players, especially as, like, a team game, all the players get touches early, it brings the confidence of the whole team up significantly. So... On the, onto that point, how do you explain to me your experience of being in the dressing room and in, in obviously in the European context and talk to me about how important the mental side of the game was for you and, and continues to be, especially when you're playing with your teammates and playing on the pitch. Like how valuable did you find that? Or like you wanted to be fully psychologically engaged? Very. I mean, especially in a, a top level over there, like as soon as you switch off, it's over for you. So I feel like from the minute you step on the field actually even before that from the minute you get in that change room and you put your kid on your training kit whatever and your team's got the music going and you're you're in the huddle going over attacks i think from there you got to be dialed in from there on out because as soon as you lose focus that's it for you because i know a lot of kids down there this ain't a joke to them this is their life so for them to lose focus would be stupid for them so they're dialed in two and a half hours from the point they start warming up to when they go over the tactics to when they play the full 90. Wow. Yeah. So how did it feel when you, A, I'm not saying, you can tell me if this didn't happen, but I don't know if you, you didn't play every game, I don't think. You probably got benched from yeah. time to time. Yeah. How did it feel when you got benched? And how did it feel when you lost games in that environment of like, a, you know, the European environment of in the dressing room after a loss? And after a win, too. You can tell mm-hmm. me after a win as well. Uh, losing games are very tough because everyone over there is very competitive and take it very seriously. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, losing over there is a big thing, especially if you're going away on the road, like to drive five hours and catch L, bro, that's... It's not doable, especially for the coaches. <laughs> That's not doable. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, the coaches will rip you. And I, I think everyone knows that because it's a, it's a quiet bus ride back. But I think, like, in terms of... <laughs> That's yeah, funny. like, it's crazy. Like, they, I think they just... Just the will to win over there is so much different from here. Like, they will do whatever. They will throw their body into every challenge. Not a care in the world. They could come out bloody, bruised. It doesn't matter. As long as they get a win, that's it. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters to them. Winning the league. So when you do win, onto that point, how was it like when you did win something and you did get that feeling of success? What did that feel like in as a unit, as a team? In that, in, in, the in games were big. When we played, so when we played the bigger games, obviously it felt much more rewarding. Like when we played Sparta or Slavia or Sigma. Yeah, those are big teams. Yeah, like we had like a party in the dress room. It was crazy. Everyone's hyped up, bro. Like it was sick. Even like tournament games. My very first game down there was a tournament game in front of a crowd. Oh shit, like, you know, like it was a big thing for me stepping on as a kid at 17 years old. But then once we got that win, like just the sight, like the feel of relief and just the joy of like the whole team, just it's a brotherhood basically. And everyone, we did it together. And if not all of us were dialed in, we would have got that W. So it's definitely a great, great feeling for sure. 100%. I don't know if you're trying to dodge my last question, but just so we get this out of the way as well. When you weren't told you were going to be in the starting 11, for mm-hmm. example, how did you feel about that? 
piss me off to be honest you're like, max you're like oh, i start swinging and check let, let them know how mad you were in yeah, their language yeah, yeah. <laughs> in italian name, and check my name didn't get played uh get called out for the 11 like yeah well i knew something something had to change like, honestly when i heard it, it pissed me off but then after the game when i go home mm. it just motivates me because then i come back to train that much harder yeah yeah you know? to make yourself that you know that you're know, like this is not happening on a regular basis exactly like, i don't want this This might be a one-off or maybe you know i picked up an injury they saw me struggling a little bit that's fair exactly but on a, on a regular thing where every game is saying you're not in it you're like okay something has to change no, now no. and thank god like i showed pretty well like i, I never really got benched to be honest with you. even surprised. if i didn't start like i'd definitely be playing 45 unless you got sent off yeah Exactly. <laughs> this is a quick little joke and actually we were talking this really quickly because i mean this episode has been super enjoyable so far i did play at the same soccer team in the school for, for paulo and i as well shout out to you know shout out to spk if you know you know but uh <laughs> i'll never forget this first we'll kind of go into three stages i played with paulo for two or three years in in high school we played together in grade 10 grade 11 and grade uh, no grade 10 grade 12 and i think grade 9 grade 9 grade 10 and grade, and grade yes, 12 when Dante Vita and all yeah that. yeah yeah my brother's playing on the yeah, team as yeah. well and i remember one year well let's talk about the year we actually won that was grade 11 11 yeah so we're in grade 11 <laughs> actually i shouldn't even say that that part i'll skip that part <laughs> i can't say that on air forget that no 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 i won't cut that out we we were in a final and our coach in the final against a team that was fun, much better than us. Shout out Colonel By. They were much, much better than us in terms of preparation. They had way more technical overall players. They were more more well drilled, they had more of a system, more of a structure. We had a couple of good individuals on the team, you know, a couple of guys that could play, uh, myself, Paulo included. But I remember we were losing the game. We lost we went we went one nothing down in the final, the like the city uh, provincial final, whatever, the city final. Mm-hmm. We went, we went one nothing down, and I remember thinking to myself, like, bro, like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing my best right now, like, I'm trying my best to, to beat the men, to be involved in the game, and I think we were, like, we weren't terrible, but we were getting bossed, I'd say, almost by and large, we were definitely the weaker side for the majority of the game. Then all of a sudden, we reached literally the last, like, minute, two minutes of the I game. Know what you're gonna say, bro. Literally the last couple seconds, and I, I, I remember the ball went out for a, what felt like a goal kick. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Fall looks over to the referee, and a coach heard him say this to the referee too. He's like, "Ref Pen," and then we hear our coach literally two seconds later. He's like, "Yeah, Ref Pen, referee." Literally the last kick on everything. After this, we went straight to extra time. It was one one, obviously, in, in after full time. And I'm telling you right now, the gods were on our side. We were almost, I'd say, not shambolic, but we were quite poor in the opening 90 minutes of the game and then in extra time all of a sudden you know and this is me explaining it by the way guys i've had some huge technical difficulties i'm so sorry for you guys listening that didn't hear this last segment i will complete it now we were in the finals extra times happened paulo scores the, the penalty to send us to extra time and uh, i remember thinking to myself at this moment like okay you know surely after we reach this point in stage in, in the in the, the game we have to go on and win now we had many chances to go on and score that decisive final goal in extra time. We couldn't bag, you know, classic, you know, footballing problems, couldn't score. And then we go to the penalty shootout. And if you guys know me, I'm tip, not always, because I used to take penalties as a kid. But as I got older, I said, okay, I want less and less of the responsibility. I didn't take it myself. I was going, I was going to, I was in the list, like, you know, six or seven or whatever, maybe me even have been eight. But I was going to take one, but we didn't need to because we literally scored every single, every single one of our penalties, penalties that we took in the, the season, we scored. And then we go to the final penalty sh- uh, penalty shot for us after Colonel Bai had missed one of their penalties where they sent it over the bar, which I couldn't believe. Like I was almost certain that they were going to score all of their penalties, given how well organized and well drilled the team was. Then we get our penalty. Shout out Logan Rayberg, man! If you know, you know. Top Donny. I look away. I can't even look at the net. Like I honestly, my, my my heart was racing at the speed of like an equestrian, you know, horseback riding. You know, I don't know Usain Bolt and infused with Michael Phelps in the water. It was genuinely beating so fast. And then I I hear the yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we scored, we scored, and then we win. And Paulo had uh, kind of consoled me. Not consoled. Not, that's not the word. He had added to the enthusiasm him you know hyping each other up the whole team's like running at each other we have our goalkeeper who literally only had one shit pad the entire game it just it was an entire nightmare mixed in with great success at the end of the game so that was the moment that i was getting towards when i said you know god's work was or god did definitely did his thing in terms of blessing us in that moment allowing us to go on and win the match 
But then the other thing I want to mention that I had asked Paulo, you guys never ended up hearing because again, it never fully published this part of the episode, but I asked him who he picked. I asked him three, three questions and I, it was kind of like a quick fire. I asked him Holland or Mbappe. He said Erling Holland, the machine. I asked him Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. He said Cristiano Ronaldo, Goat Naldo Sue. And then I asked him Luka Modric versus Andres Iniesta. He picked Iniesta. He said Iniesta is one of the greats of all time. He, he can't be denied. Although Modric is class, you know, you have to go with Iniesta, which I think is a fair response. You can't really go wrong with that answer. Uh, and then I asked him to give the audience some advice, which of which he said that, you know, you should simply keep your head down and don't let don't let negative comments and and words being said about you deter you from your own goals and 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 stop you from being driven enough to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And that was his message. I feel like I'm saying this as if he's passed away. And this is like his last you know, last speech of his funeral. But anyways, that is what he said to the to you guys that you again, you're never really going to hear now unless I can retrieve it sometime in the future. But you know how to, you guys know how technology works, even though it's 2022. But anyways, that was the end of the episode. That was the end of my segment. There was not not, not much more else to add to that. It was actually only a bit, minute, minute or two that you guys didn't hear. But thank you guys for listening for real. This has been the Steven Talk Soccer Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, might I say, I'm absolutely loving the interaction, the engagement, the level of interest that the podcast is getting. I see and notice all of the love that I'm getting. Trust me, it does not go unnoticed. I will be doing some sort of big reward, some sort of jersey giveaway, something like that will be coming soon. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm so trying to decide. But when I do, you guys will be well aware. Make sure to follow me on all my socials. You'll see them in the links in the in the description or the description of this episode. and. You know, make sure to share, to follow, and to subscribe to the Stephen Talks Talker podcast. It can be found anywhere you listen to your podcast. For now, it has been your boy, the Don, the one and only the Don, Stephen the Don. Deuces. I'll be back again soon with more content. Hey, everyone. Are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talks Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talks Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.